Hey now, what up though? It's Jay Scott Smith here, the host of the People's Podcast, JSC Radio. And you might be wondering why I call it the People's Podcast. Well, I've got a brand new reason for me to call it the People's Podcast because I'm putting the future of this show into your hands. This show is now on Patreon. And what Patreon is, it's going to help you, the JSC Radio listener, the JSC Radio follower and fan, contribute to the show in whatever way you see fit. That's right, looking for people to help keep this show moving. Whether you want to donate $1 an episode, hell, $1 a month for $5 per episode, I'll shout you out on this show, and you'll even be able to vote on exclusive polls and exclusive half episodes. That's right, JSC exclusives. You'll get to hear those half episodes before anyone else. For $10 or more per episode, now it gets fun because you get to be a sponsor on this show. You got a business, you want me to talk about it, I want you to sponsor my show. For $10, hit me up, send me the script, I'm putting you over. Plus you get all the other cool stuff that comes with it. For $25 an episode, same thing applies, except this time you will become an official segment sponsor. Do you want a segment of this show sponsored by your business? Of course you do. That's why you want to hit me up on Patreon. For more information, on how to become a sponsor of JSC Radio, go to patreon.com slash JSC Radio. Patreon.com slash JSC Radio, and you can truly help this become the People's Podcast. Hey now, my name is Jay Scott Smith, and I'm the host of a new show here on RVN TV called Jay Scott Confidential. It's a sports show that doesn't always stick to sports. Every week, we'll talk about the biggest topics in the sports world, whether it's football, baseball, basketball, or whatever. Plus, we'll have some great guests, we'll have a few laughs, in fact, we're going to have a lot of fun. So every Saturday at 12 noon, right here on RBN TV, it's Jay Scott Confidential, and I promise, not to keep it inside the comments. This is JSC Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, did you miss me? I apologize, but I'm gone a lot longer than I expected. Hey now, my name is Jay Scott Smith, and this is the long-awaited 53rd episode of the People's Podcast. This is J.S.C. Radio. Hey now, hi there, so uh, I'm back, a few things going on, (laughs) well I was uh, kind of on an unexpected sabbatical, a couple things happened with me while I was on my uh, unexpected sabbatical. I want to thank everybody who supports this show as always, want to shout out everybody who listens on SoundCloud. That's soundcloud.com slash JSC Radio. Those of you who support the show on Patreon, patreon.com slash JSC Radio. Those of you who show love to the show on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, on Google Play, on Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. Audio Boom, that's another one. Welcome. Damn it, welcome, my friends, to the podcast that never ends but ends up going on longer than expected. Uh, sabbaticals, I guess, but there's good reason why I stepped away for a second. 
And those of you who follow me on Twitter as well, that's at JSC Radio and at J. Scott Smith. Or if you're following me on Instagram, at J. Scott Smith. Or on Facebook, at Real J. Scott Smith. By the way, uh, the, the Twitter handle and the Facebook are both verified. Original. I have had a, something good go down. Yes. As you... Uh, as you heard there before the start of this whole puppy, we've got a we've got a, a new medium coming. J. Scott Confidential on RVN TV. That would be RVN.tv. It's a company here in the Philadelphia area, just in South Jersey. And I've been given the amazingly awesome slash intimidating opportunity to put my face in front of a camera in front of you guys once a week every week starting on Saturday November 4th that would be next Saturday holy shit so yeah that's some big news some good news it's something that was bound to happen basically it was gonna happen it's going to be a different iteration from what JSC Radio is. So that's why I'm coming in with kind of this semi-cold open to kind of give you a heads up on exactly what the hell's been going on and how this is going to work. So JSC TV, which is the hashtag that we will be using to describe this, kind of was the brainchild of just me figuring out what the hell exactly I want to do to expand on this show. JScottSmith.com, of course, is the website. And that's where you can go to listen to this show. Some of you are listening to the show there right now. To that, I say thank you. Damn it, thank you. But when I developed JScottSmith.com, when I developed JSC Radio, the blog, of course, was the precursor to the whole thing. This was always the goal. The goal was always meant for me to eventually expand this bad boy even further than it's ever gone but here's a couple of things this podcast is going absolutely nowhere not getting rid of it not shutting it down in fact it's going to be getting bigger because of this because now JSC TV can pump up JSC radio I still plan on doing the retro reviews I still plan on doing a podcast that does not stick to sports I still plan on doing my commentaries whenever something big goes down in this country or around the world that's worth my talking about that isn't attached to sports, God damn it, I'm going to do it. Now, JSC TV is going to be a much cleaner version. It's not going to be the, the wonderfully colorful language that we'll use on this show here, but there's a reason for that. It's JSC TV. It's not airing on a local station per se, but it is airing online. So you'll be able to find it at rvn.tv. RVN TV, Radio Vision One. These are awesome people. And they're giving me an opportunity because they believe in what I stand for. They believe in what the show is about. They believe in just the fact that they believe that I know what the hell I'm talking about. Which is amazing. I want to thank Renee Washington over there at Radio Vision One, RVN. She does a show that airs on Tuesdays and Fridays. She's one of the people that 
help put me over, help get me out there to them. And I'm going to have her on this show at some point. Renee is a commentator, a host. She'll do color commentary for the Ivy League Network. She is a former All-American soccer player at Lehigh University. So she's a, she's a legit athlete. But she's got an amazing story, and I've made it very clear that she will be on this podcast. So look for Renee Washington. Everybody who knows knows deal about this podcast is that I have a preferential treatment toward women. I want to have women in sports and women in general who are important on this show. And Renee Washington did something for me she didn't have to do. And she helped put me over and helped get me out there and helped get the show developed. And it's happened kind of quickly. So it's, it's kind of on the fly here. But JSC TV is coming. Pause, my boy. And it's it's gonna be it's gonna be something special. I think about every facet of my long, winding, weird road through media. Going all the way back to 1997 when they took a flyer on trying to start high school radio stations back up again in Detroit. That didn't pan out too well, but it was fun. Then obviously going Fast-forwarding eight years to Saturday Night Live on Power 96.5. And eventually that turns into Feel the Hunger Radio. And the Real Talk on Sports. And Real Talk FM, which actually aired on the former WGPR in Detroit. Well, I guess it still is WGPR. I always wondered if they ever actually changed the call letters when they converted it over to to Hot 107.5. That's too much inside baseball on Detroit radio. But you know what the hell I'm talking about. JSC Radio was kind of like an amalgam of all those things thrown together. Who knows, at one point, I might eventually get DJ Cut Nice on here. Don't think I haven't thought about that. And I've talked to Cuddy from time to time. He's still ripping the people's faces off on the turntables back in Lansing. I miss home like crazy. And there might be, at some point within the next year, a Feel the Hunger Radio show done on JSC Radio. I'm just putting that out there. Oh, yes, we're shooting right now. We're, we're shooting from the hip. That chopper is singing because it's been a second since I've done this. And I apologize for the time off that I took away because there has been some pretty hefty shit happening. We've got a World Series going on. When the last time I was with you, the playoffs had just kind of gotten started. Now we're on to what will be game three of the World Series between the Astros and the Dodgers. I'll get to that in a second. The NBA season has jumped off. And the Detroit Pistons are back at it. There's a new arena in downtown Detroit that, for whatever reason, nobody wants to go to. We'll get to that. By the way, if you people who like to wear that god-awful yellow and that ashy blue in Ann Arbor thought that I was going to let you off the hook, you thought you were going to escape the wrath because I needed to put a TV show together. If you thought that I'm letting you off the hook for that L that my boys gave your ass, you got another thing coming because I'm going to get to that too. This is going to be a different kind of show. It's going to be kind of round robin, collaborating everything together, and it's kind of what you'll expect on JSC TV. JSC TV. It's something I've wanted to do for 10 years. 
get this face of mine in front of a camera. Yeah, I know. Preparing you right now. It's gonna be a lot of there's gonna be a lot of chocolate swag happening coming through your screen. But you just gotta drink it in. Drink it in, man. I'm feeling it right now. I am. Because in all honesty, this feels pretty good. I've worked a long, weird, circuitous route. I've I've been forced to have to prove myself repeatedly and over and over and over and over and over again. I'm often told how much they love my voice, love the show, yet I look at some of the numbers on some of these episodes and y'all ain't coming through. But I also realize there's more work I got to do then. And I'm going to do that. And by the way, one other thing. There will be more live videos. And I'm talking about on Instagram. I actually am going to, at some point in the next week, get my ass on Instagram and do a couple of live videos because, hey, hello, somebody's got a TV show and he's got to get accustomed to going live because we are. That's right. We're doing it live. That's the other aspect of this show. It is live. Live, live. As in what you see is what's happening right in front of you. So I got to get myself re-loosened up. I've done live radio since 2005. I ain't ever done live TV. So this will be an adventure for all of us. All of us. But it's going to be a good adventure, and I hope you come along with me. I really do. You can support the show, RVN TV. RVN TV. RVN TV. I'm going to keep saying the name of it. RVN TV. Radio Vision 1. For those of you on Twitter, if you want to follow them, and you should. A lot of, a lot of great shit there, including Renee Washington, who, again, did me a major solid. Because she didn't have to do this. She didn't have to put me over to these people. She didn't owe me a thing. And for her to do that, I owe her a ton. So yeah, JSC TV is coming, damn it. Whether you like it or not, whether you want it or not, in fact, whether you like it or whether you don't like it, learn to love it because it's going to be the best thing going today. If it seems like I'm excited, I am. If it seems like I'm fired up, I am. Because I appreciate it when somebody actually gives me a chance. Another thing, the shows will air live 12 noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on RVN TV here in the United States. Your corresponding time zone, you can get that figured out. But if you can't catch it live, it will go up on their website and it will also go up on YouTube. That's right, damn it. I got a YouTube page. As you've seen, if you've gone over to jscottsmith.com, there's a YouTube page. And damn it, if I ain't got some ideas of what I eventually want to do with that thing. There's so much happening. And as we go through 2017, we start to head toward 2018. Because it's almost November. This year has been a marathon and a sprint at the same damn time for obvious reasons that I've gotten into in more than a few episodes lately. But this episode is about letting it hang. This episode is about, as Elzai once put it, the brag swag. Shout out to Detroit. 
Shout out to my man Doc Illingsworth for killing it with all these beats that he gave me. You'll hear his music on the show too. Shout out to Detroit City. Big up to my man Rufio Jones. Big up to friggin' haagen for sending me free ice cream. I shouted that out on my, on my Twitter feed. And big up to all y'all who support the hell out of this show. I, I sincerely thank y'all. Each and every one of y'all. So coming up after this break. I'm going to jump my ass on this microphone and try to get y'all up to speed on a few things that have been happening in the sports world. <gasps> That's right. We're hitting some sports shit. We're doing a little round robin, damn it. Because that's what we do here. We talk sports. We have fun. We talk shit. We do what it is we come to do. This, this ain't over at JSC Radio. In fact, it's just beginning. My name is Jay Scott Smith, and this is episode 53, episode 53 of the People's Podcast. This is JSC Radio, and we'll be back after this, damn it. It's so hard for me to sit back here in this studio looking at a guy out here hollering my name when last year I spent more money on spilled liquor in bars from one side of this world to the other than you made. You're talking to the Rolex wearing, diamond ring wearing, kiss stealing, woo, wheeling dealing, limousine riding, jet flying, son of a gun, and I'm having a hard time holding these alligators down. Woo! Check it out. This is JSC Radio. So, you know, I'm a dog, and I'm kind of new to this family, but I've noticed a trend. My humans do this thing where they go around and get all my toys and hide them in this basket, but it's always the same basket, and it's always the same place, and then they act so surprised when I find them, but I'm like, hello, that's where you put it last time. Humans are the worst at hide-and-go-seek. A person is the best thing to happen to a shelter pet. Be that person. Adopt. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the ShelterPetProject.org. The American Red Cross urgently needs blood and platelet donations and asks donors to schedule an appointment to give now. Your blood donation matters to the patients counting on life-saving transfusions. Visit redcrossblood.org. Hey now, my name is Jay Scott Smith, and I'm the host of a new show here on RVNTV called Jay Scott Confidential. It's a sports show that doesn't always stick to sports. Every week we'll talk about the biggest topics in the sports world, whether it's football, baseball, basketball, or whatever. Plus, we'll have some great guests, we'll have a few laughs, in fact, we're going to have a lot of fun. So every Saturday at 12 noon right here on RBN TV, it's Jay Scott Confidential, and I promise not to keep it inside the box. This is JSC Radio. And Marwin lifts this one pretty deep to left center field. Taylor on his horse, going back at the wall. Let's go! Let's go! Marwin has tied it at three! His first home run of the postseason. And Kenley Jansen suffers his first career postseason blown save. Fields, former Astro, will come on the pitch for L.A. 2-0 is drilled deep to left center field. Going back is Taylor looking up. See you later! Jose Altuve puts the Astros ahead in the 10th. Four to three. His sixth home run of this postseason. The batting champion 
sends one out of here in the left center. The Astros with runs in the eighth, ninth, and now the tenth. Here's Carlos Correa. Breaking ball, and that's it. Well, pretty deep to left center field, and you can get that one goodbye. Back-to-back jacks for the Astros. To Springer. That's into right center field. Well hit. Won't be caught. It is gone for a home run. George Springer goes deep, and the Astros are back on top by two. What a game. What a battle here. Another 3-2 pitch. Stuck him out, and the Astros win it. Seven to six. Second and seven for the Spartans. Davis and Risen set left. Cody White to the right. Lewerke has LJ to his right. Shotgun snap. Lewerke throws left side for Felton. Davis makes the grab in the end zone. Touchdown, MSU. First and 10 Spartans at the Indiana 18. Handoff to LJ Scott. Runs to his right. He's at the the 10, he's at the The 5, heads for the right pylon. He's into the end zone. Touchdown, MSU, from 18 yards out. This is the People's Podcast. You're listening to episode 53 of JSC Radio. Welcome back. Yes, that's right, the People's Podcast is back with a vengeance. And on November 4th, the revolution that is JSC TV, J. Scott Confidential, begins on RVN TV. Jay Scott here with you. Once again, want to thank each and every one of you who support the show all the time on jscottsmith.com. All of you go over to SoundCloud at soundcloud.com slash JSC Radio for subscribing on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and Audio Boom. Thank you, thank you, thank you, and thank you, damn it. Everybody who wants who wants to support me, who wants to holler at me, hit me up on Twitter at jscottsmith. Get at me on the show's page at JSC Radio on Instagram it's at J. Scott Smith and on Facebook it's real J. Scott Smith so pretty much you know I've got the J. Scott Smith market cornered out here from Philadelphia to the Motor City and a little bit in South Jersey too shout out to all of y'all who show love to the show and please understand that this puppy is getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and I can't do it without you guys so damn it we're back we got some catching up to do a lot of catching up to do, apparently, because uh, last time I was with y'all, baseball playoffs were just kind of getting started. Houston was still playing Boston, and the Dodgers were dealing with the Arizona Diamondbacks, and now we're staring at Game 3 of the World Series tonight. Go figure. Two teams that used to be in the National League West are now playing in the World Series, and I don't give a damn what anybody tells you. The Houston Astros are a National League team. That for some weird reason, instead of moving, I don't know, the Milwaukee Brewers back to the American League and just doing a little shifting, they took the they took a National League team and dropped them in the AL West right as everything started to come together with all that young talent. And then they were able to finally turn that into getting Justin Verlander. Hmm. I have to admit. I thought I was going to be better with it when I heard Verlander was traded because the Tigers were just a complete and utter dumpster fire this season. The Tigers were as bad as I've seen them since probably 2004. 2003, 2004. But it still hurt to see Verlander traded. 
and it's like a stake through your heart to see him in that Astro uniform in the World Series. Had you told me a year ago that Justin Verlander would be pitching Game 2 of the World Series against the Dodgers, my ass would have been just ecstatic. I would have been through the damn roof because that would have meant the Tigers were back in the World Series again because you couldn't have told me a calendar year ago that that some bitch would be down in Houston with the Astros in the World Series. You kidding me? That's, that's the thing. Before I get full on into that total circus that Game 2 of the World Series was, you know how hard it is for me to try to figure out how the Detroit Tigers managed to have so much damn talent. Every single one of these damn playoff teams has at least one former Detroit Tiger. All of them. I, well, you know what? No. I don't think the Yankees had one. I think the Yankees were the only team in this year's playoffs that doesn't have a former Detroit Tiger running around in a prominent damn role on it. And I'm talking about the teams that made the playoffs. Sorry, Colorado. Sorry, Minnesota. You didn't make the playoffs. You got into the wild card game. You got into the play-in game, and you got beat. It's just like the NCAA tournament. If you lose that wild card game, you didn't make the postseason. I'm talking about the teams that got in on both sides. Cleveland, Boston, the Yankees, and Houston for the American League. I keep forgetting that Houston's an American League team. I have to talk myself into this. And then in the National League, Washington, Chicago, Los Angeles, and Arizona. Each team had at least one, and in most cases, they got two. The Yankees were the only one that didn't. All the rest of them. Cleveland got Austin Jackson and Andrew Miller, who very briefly was a Tiger on the 2006 team that got to the World Series. The Astros, you already know. Justin Verlander plus Cameron Mabin, a two-time Tiger, who the Tigers got rid of because they seemed like preemptively they were going to start the whole tank job last year, but suddenly changed their mind after they traded their, their number two hitter, essentially to the California Angels, who then gets shipped over to the Astros. And what the Angels were thinking sending him over there to the Astros, I have no idea. So you have Mabin, and you got Verlander for the Astros. The Red Sox, you got Rick Porcello. Rick Porcello, who won the Cy Young, of course, the year after the Tigers get rid of him. Rick Porcello for the Red Sox. Bounce my ass over to the National League, and immediately I take one look at the Washington Nationals, and who's multicolored eye having ass do I see on the mound but Max Scherzer the guy that the Tigers lowballed on his way out oh by the way Doug Fister's also a Boston Red Sox how can I forget about Doug Fister but Max Scherzer on the mound the Tigers lowballed him and he left on his own he's the rare one who didn't get traded he left on his own to go to the Washington Nationals and he was a friggin' beast there. Yet, strangely, they still couldn't, you know, get out of the first round. But that's weird. So you got Max Scherzer there. You got Alex Avila and Justin Wilson with the Chicago Cubs. They were traded there this season. For the Dodgers, you have Curtis Granderson, the Tiger player that it still kind of cuts me a little deep that the Tigers got rid of him. He was my favorite Tiger from that first renaissance period the Tigers went through 11 years ago. And then there's the Arizona Diamondbacks. J.D. Martinez, who hit four damn home runs in a game. J.D. Martinez, he was the first sign the Tigers were, were waving the white flag on being competitive for a few years when they traded him, and he went to Arizona and just took off. 
and started looking like an, MB, an MVP for stretches when he got there. And then there's Robbie Ray, who I didn't even realize the Tigers had gotten rid of him. He was the guy that the Tigers got for Doug Fister when they foolishly traded him to Washington. So all these damn Tigers roaming around in the playoffs, and it just bugs me. I'm like, so they had all this damn talent on this team, enough talent to stockpile seven of the eight teams that made the damn playoffs this year. But yet, what am I looking at? The Tigers being the overall worst damn team in baseball. They've hit rock bottom, and maybe they haven't. Because the projections on them, they they needed a late little surge to avoid 100 losses this year damn season they may not be so lucky next year holy hell but at least they finally got rid of brad osmus it only took two of the worst seasons the tigers have had in the last 14 years to get brad osmus fired joe girardi just got fired and that team damn near got to the world series they were one one away from the world series the new york yankees are finally the baby faces. They're finally the scrappy young underdog who's hungry and is working their asses off and earning it. And the Yankees just couldn't be the baby face. They had to be the heel and fire the guy who won a World Series, had a 562 win percentage, somehow got a team that was probably supposed to win 78 games to win 91 of them, make the playoffs, win a series, and damn near win the pennant. And they fired him. Brad Ausmus literally beefed a playoff series his first year when he was handed Jim Leland's team. And he beefed a playoff series because he wanted to prove a point about Jabba friggin' Chamberlain. And then the following year, they finish in last place. And instead of firing him, they rally behind him and bring him back. And I argue that he's the reason the Tigers finished two and a half games short of making the playoffs last year because he cost them about seven or eight games with his foolishness. And then this year, 98 losses. And with seven games to go, the Tigers finally realized that the whole Brad Ausmus thing ain't working. It's it's insane. So I've done that entire tangent, that entire sidetracking will bring me all the way back to Justin Verlander standing on the mound during game two and my heart basically just hurting, seeing him in that damn uniform, pitching in Dodger Stadium in the World Series, wearing a uniform that has orange and gray and blue in it, but it doesn't have the script Detroit across the front and the old English D, the best damn logo in all of professional sports on the baseball cap. Nope. It's the Houston Astros. For those of you who went to bed right around, I don't know, the end of the seventh inning with the Dodgers up 3-1 having jump ship on Verlander twice and chased him from the game and the Astros looking like the gang that couldn't shoot straight that was on their way to a 2-0 series deficit. If you were like my dumb ass who went to bed right around that time because I get up stupid early every morning for work only to wake up a few hours later to see the final score was 7-6 Houston in 11 innings what that game had everything and I will take you back to the episode I did on the world baseball classic before the season started I've noticed something and Deadspin caught on to it as well these guys are finally letting it all hang out when they hit home runs they're finally letting that emotion out and the red asses and the old schoolers who want to get pissed off because somebody had the nerve to smile or look like they were actually enjoying themselves on a baseball diamond, you guys can sit and spin. Dallas Keuchel, you can sit and spin. Yes, did Charlie Culberson look like a total doofus running around the bases, jumping up and down, pointing into the crowd and, and high-fiving? I think I saw him do a dab when he got to the dugout when he hit a home run that cut a lead to 7-6 to six in the 11th. Yeah. 
Yeah, he looked like a doofus. He looked like a goofball. I'll be the first to say that. But I'd rather he look like a total jackass running around the bases like a like a five-year-old ecstatic that he got his first hit in a Little League game than stoically putting your head down and walking back to the dugout and you don't smile and you, you shake hands and you drink warm milk when you get to the dugout. Get the hell out of here. Guys like Yasiel Puig and Jose Altuve and Marwin Gonzalez and and Carlos Correa, and George Springer, and every one of the Puerto Rican dudes from the World Baseball Classic, and all the Dominicans from the World Baseball Classic. I love that. And I want to see more of the swag. I don't want to have to kind of go back to what I was talking about in April, but I will. I want to see more of that on a baseball diamond. Baseball, despite for all its efforts to not be, is one of the most diverse sports in the world. It has got such a deep Latin influence why not just let it all hang out and have some fun? It's a game, but it's also, one of, to me, it's one of the most fun sports in the world. And it's interesting. I don't hear any of these, the, these NFL lovers and these snobs who don't get baseball 90% of the time whining and complaining about the game went too long. You want to know why? Because the game was exciting. Just like I didn't hear them whining about the game going too long in game one when... They just steamrolled their way home. I've seen enough very well-pitched games from guys like Verlander and Scherzer and Doug Fister over the last 10 years. I know what well-pitched baseball games look like. Well-pitched games like what Kershaw did in game one fly by. That's why this ridiculousness about, oh, baseball is too long. Maybe they should cut the games down to seven innings to make the game shorter. Shut the hell up. The game is fine the way it is. Yes, there are plenty of shit games that happen during the regular season. Yeah, and everybody ain't trying to watch a game between Tampa and Seattle go three and a half hours in the middle of May. Ain't nobody trying to watch the White Sox and soon-to-be god-awful Tigers play a three-and-a-half-hour marathon of a game in, in mid-June. I get that. The Yankees and Red Sox just instinctively play games that go three-and-a-half, four hours all the damn time with all the pitching changes and the useless gamesmanship that they have. I understand those games go on too long and they draw on too long. But these World Series games, these playoff games, that game can go six hours because there's stakes and it's going to keep rolling like that. And for those of you talking about baseball is too long, NFL games are dragging like a MMA for two. Let's be real. I sat through a Lions game that started at 1 p.m. and ended at almost 5. There was a lot of scoring, but there's a lot of timeouts, a lot of penalties, a lot of dead spots, and a lot of dragging. NFL games are slow as hell, too. They drag. And they have a running clock in that game, and it drags. So miss me with that. Another game that has a running clock is the NBA. Because that season's jumped off. It, it started on a night that saw Gordon Hayward put on his foot backwards on national television. That was god-awful. But if you know me and you know this show, who the hell do you think I'm going to talk about? I'm going to talk about the Detroit Pistons. Philadelphia 76ers, they look like they're going to be all right. They Here's the thing. They look like they're going to be all right, but I took a look at their schedule. They look like they're going to be a really good team that probably won't make the playoffs because they've got a schedule full of killers in front of them that's a really good team that could still end up being something ridiculous like 7 and 13 or 6 and 14 or 5 and 15 because their schedule is treacherous to open the season and they'd have to make a pretty 
lengthy run midway through the year to make that up. But at least the Sixers, who have been putrid since 2011, this is the first season where the 76ers won't start off with at least an 0-7 record since 2013. Are you serious? It's insane. It's, it's insane how bad that franchise has been. But now they got Joel Embiid. They got Ben Simmons. Markel Fultz's shoulder might be about to cause his arm to fall off. But they've also got Dario Saric. Somehow they were Now they're starting to get free agents to show up here in Philadelphia too. That team is actually interesting. They're actually exciting to watch. They might get beat three out of four games. But those three out of four games are compelling. They're interesting. They've got a good nucleus and a good mix of players. They're a team I would actually pay money to go see when the Pistons come in here to Philadelphia. Or pay money to go see, even though that game's probably sold out, To I'd have to go get a credential to go see when the, when the Warriors come in here. Or when the Thunder come in here. Or when the Spurs come in here. They're worth the price of admission. My Detroit Pistons are not. And they haven't been for a long time. You know how bad it is for your team and your franchise when you build a brand new, sparkling, nearly billion-dollar arena in downtown Detroit, a city that is going through a its a, a second renaissance of sorts. The Red Wings and the Pistons are sharing this arena. It's actually the Red Wings arena, Little Caesars Arena. It's actually theirs. The Pistons have the nerve to be bent out of shape because it's not enough Piston-centric stuff in there. I hate to tell you fellas this, that ain't the palace. You're in the Red Wings' house. You're renting. The Pistons are essentially the Los Angeles Clippers. You're not the owner. You're the tenant there. But it's a gorgeous arena from all accounts. And it's got lovely seats. The way I know is because you get to see plenty of them whenever you watch the Pistons' games. You've seen the photos across Deadspin, across every sports site there is. The Detroit Pistons basically can't give away tickets. The Detroit Pistons games have essentially turned into Monday Nitro, into WCW Monday Nitro circa 2000. You can't give the tickets away. You know how difficult it is in a brand new damn arena to have not even come close to selling a game out. Opening night, they claimed that game was a sellout. There were at least 10,000 empty seats in that place. Ten. This isn't one of those where the game starts and people are filing in. Never mind that it's the first ever game in this arena. It's the first time the Pistons have played an NBA game in Detroit since 1984. It's the first regular season game they would have played in that city since 1977. And there were 10,000 empty seats and the excuse was, oh, but people were walking through the concourse and they were looking at the arena and they were checking out all the amenities. You do that before the game. I don't want to hear that. You do that before the damn game. Same goes for the Red Wings. If either of those teams were worth a damn, every seat would be filled. I've been at the Palace when the Pistons had really, really good teams. By tip-off of that game, that place is rocking. It is on fire when they're good. These Pistons aren't good. Now, Here's the thing. They're not terrible. They're just not very good. The Pistons are the epitome of meh. They're the definition of mediocre. They're the basketball equivalent of a C-. And in an NBA where it's either a pass or fail league, where you're either getting an A or a B+, or you're getting a D- and failing, being average, being mediocre, being meh, don't work. And that's what the Pistons are. The Pistons really believe that the slow and steady wins the race approach is going to pay off for them. It's not. The Pistons have not been 
relevant in nearly, it'll be a decade next year. 2018 will mark 10 years since the Pistons' last appearance in the conference finals when they lost to Boston. Next year marks 14 years since they won the NBA title, their last NBA title. They have been a non-factor in the NBA since the day they traded Chauncey Billups for Allen Iverson. They have been a non-factor almost nine years at this point. They've been a non-factor. They opened up, I can't stress this enough, they opened up a brand new arena. If they had opened up that arena 10 years ago, just 2007 when the Pistons were really, really, really good, if they'd opened up that arena and put it in downtown Detroit in 2007, you wouldn't be able to steal a ticket to the game. Now you can't give them damn things away. You can't give that bitch away. They ain't showing up. I don't blame them. Again, it's not, it's like, can you name three Detroit Pistons? I can because I follow the team, kind of. But it, I get hard-pressed once I get to about five of them. It's Andre Drummond and Reggie Jackson, Avery Bradley, who's probably the best player on that team, Tobias Harris, and then it starts getting a little sketchy. <laughs> it gets a little sketchy. I think there's an Anthony Tolliver on this team, and there's a couple of white guys. One of them's John Luer. John Luer looks like the type of guy who gets traded for one of those final pieces whenever the Pistons finally get their shit together again, which might not be for a while. Because unlike the NBA that somehow allowed the Pistons to kind of organically grow out from the weeds and rise from the ashes 15 years ago, that's not happening now. The league has changed. The pay structure has changed. And more importantly, Detroit's not a free agent destination. You want to know when Detroit became a free agent destination? When the Pistons started winning some damn games. This idea that we're just going to build through the draft and we're just going to do the slow and steady wins the race thing, and you'll see, and, you know, we're not trying to tank. We're not, we're, we're trying to be competitive. We're, we're playing for our pride and for our city, and we're trying to make the playoffs to do what? Huh? Let's just assume the Pistons make the playoffs. The makeup of that team screams somewhere between 37 to maybe on the high end, 41 wins. Everything breaks right. They finish 500. What's that get you? The seven seed in the East? I have them pegged as 38 and 44, 38 wins, which again, in the Eastern Conference, that might be good enough to get you just across the finish line at number eight. And what's waiting on you when you get there? Cleveland. Great. You somehow did just enough to make the playoffs, barely get in as an eighth seed. You barely out beat out Charlotte and the Knicks, teams like that. And who else? Like maybe Miami, Atlanta's. Yeah, Atlanta's kind of in that same spot the Pistons are. Teams like that. You barely get across the finish line and pass them. And you get onto the other side and get to the playoffs. And who's waiting on you? LeBron James. Standing right there ready to shove a gun in your mouth just like he did two years ago. It's like that's what Piston fans get excited about. I reamed them out for that when they made the playoffs. Of being happy to be there. And just not getting swept. Just being happy to be there. That's not good enough. My idea is if you can't win at least one playoff series, burn it down. Burn it down. If you can't get one playoff series win, burn the whole damn thing down and start over. I mean, the Pistons already went through an eight-year stretch where they were meaningless anyway, where they were never quite bad enough to get the number one draft pick, but they were never good enough to actually do anything. And they had multiple 50-plus lost seasons. But they didn't lose enough games to end up in the top three. They always would find a way to end up in about the 5, 6, 7, 8, 9 region. If you cannot win in this NBA, in a league that has some bad teams or that bad teams that are compelling, 
Like the Phoenix Suns are a train wreck, but they're a compelling train wreck. The Sacramento Kings are garbage, but they're a compelling pile of garbage. The Dallas Mavericks aren't very good, but Dennis Smith Jr. really is. Let's keep it real. Let, let's keep it funky, all right? The Orlando Magic aren't any good, but they've got some compelling young talent on that team. The Indiana Pacers are mediocre, but they're at least somewhat exciting, even though Paul George got traded. The Pistons are just there, and it's easy to forget that they're around. And that's the scariest part of all of it. It's easy to forget they're out there. It's mind-blowing to me. So, ladies and gentlemen, this is episode 53. And it feels good to get back on this microphone. I'm feeling rather spicy, you can tell. I'm feeling rather spicy and feisty because I really enjoy doing this. And I want to thank each and every one of... Oh, no, wait, 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 wait. I can't help but think. Hmm. Talk about the World Series. By the way, the Dodgers, that was a terrible job at the end of Game 2. Your bullpen implodes after you basically put the Astros in a box for 16 innings. And then in the 17th inning on, the Astros just couldn't seem to stop hitting home runs. And now you go down there for three games, and you guys better win two of them. Because that whole coming back from 3-1 shit that the Cubs pulled last year, that's a once-in-a-lifetime thing, despite the fact that you have home field. You don't want to go down 3-1 and have Verlander waiting on you in game six. You don't want to do that. You don't want to be in a hole with Verlander waiting and looming off in the distance. But I talked about the World Series. I'm still picking the Dodgers to win this thing, but it's going to be a dogfight. So I talked about the World Series. talked about the Pistons, the NBA. The NBA, that's going to be an ongoing thing with me. I can't help but think that I'm forgetting something. I'm trying to remember. Did Was there a football game a couple weeks ago involving a couple teams in my home state? Huh. Uh. What? Oh! That's right! I knew I forgot something. I find a lot of the things that they do amusing. They need to check themselves sometimes. But just remember, pride comes before the fall. So they want to mock us all they want to mock us. I'm telling them, it's not over. So they can print all that crap all they want all over their locker room. It's not over. It'll never be over here. Trouble with the snap. Shotgun snap. Looks right, now looks left. He'll go, run go, go, left. Go, go, go. He's inside the five. Dives to the He's goal in line. Into the end zone. Touchdown, MSU. It's not over. It'll never be over here. Sokol tight right. The Stewart on the wing. Play fake to Stewart on an end around. Oh, He'll treat it right side to Madre London. At the 10, at the 5, hits for the he right pylon. He is into the end zone. Touchdown, MSU. What a play call. So they want to mock us all they want to mock us. I'm telling them it's not over. Third and 12 for Michigan. O'Corn will run. Raquan Williams had him around the ankles, and he stepped out of it. Throws it upfield. Ball's out. Caught, but it's a Michigan State got it back. Second and 12 at the Michigan 40. O'Corn has a lot of time, throws over the middle. Pick! Intercepted through the fingertips of Crawford. 
picked off by David Dowell, and David Dowell returns it to the Michigan 41-yard line. McCourt fumbles the snap. Scrambling, looking to throw it. Flag down, intercepted. Intercepted by Bonchi at the 41. A lot of people dressed mostly in yellow and some blue. Very, very quiet at this point. So they want to mock us all they want to mock us. I'm telling them it's not over. Five seconds left. Spartans 14, Michigan 10. Ball at the 37 of the Spartans. O'Corn takes the snap. Rolls to his right. Going for the end zone. Hail Mary. It's down. No good. The Spartans break it up as time runs out. The Spartans win at Michigan, 14 to 10. Mark D'Antonio is now eight and three against Michigan. I don't know, you know, we've done it eight times. We've done it eight times, so, you know, I don't know why there's a lot of doubt. So they're an extremely well-coached football team with great talent, um, but we have some guys too. Yes, yes indeed. I'm coming for you. Michigan fan, please understand you had this coming. And yeah, we're a couple weeks past this game. But if you thought I was going to let that ride, if you thought I was going to let that that Jack just walk across the table, you got another thing coming. When I did episode 40, the This Is Sparta episode on Michigan State University, as they were going through the trials and tribulations of having Players getting kicked off the team for sexual assaults. Michigan State University needed something. They needed this. Let me tell you something about Mark D'Antonio. Mark D'Antonio is likely going to go down as probably, if not the greatest coach in MSU history, the second, because he hasn't won a national title, which is the only thing that keeps him away from being Duffy Doherty. To do what he's doing at MSU, at the time I record this podcast, is mind-blowing. Michigan State went 3-9 and nine last year. They found every conceivable way to lose. All of them. They found every conceivable way to lose games last year. Getting beat on last-second plays, getting beat by terrible teams like Maryland and Illinois, and Northwestern putting 54 points up on them, losing by one point to Ohio State. Their only conference win was a smashing of sorry Rutgers. Losing a game to Michigan, they had no business losing in retrospect. They were 3-9, and nine. they got destroyed at Penn State, and way too many people, especially in the state of Michigan, and particularly in the city of Detroit, We're taking way too much glee and way too much pleasure in the suffering of the Michigan State Spartans. There were way too many mouthy people at a place like Eastern Michigan, because you know most of the University of Michigan's fan base never actually went to the damn school. For all the stupid things they say about, oh, all the people in Michigan State just wish they went to Michigan. No, you have us confused with another green and white school, the one in Ypsilanti, because that's where all the Michigan rejects go to not Michigan State. And they had all these things to say, and they were dancing on MSU's grave and wrote us off, wrote off MSU, buried them, done, dead, it's over. It'll be years before they compete. Three and nine, that's the end of an era. 
D'Antonio has lost it. We don't know if he can come back from this. Plus, there's Harbaugh and... There's a really good chance Michigan State wins 10 games this year. Think about that. They're undefeated in conference right now. They're 6-1 overall, and that one loss is to a Notre Dame team who, for the first time in a while, is legit. They've won four conference games, three of which they haven't scored 20 points in. Won them all. The one game they scored more than 20 was at Minnesota when they scored 30. And they, and they had a big-ass lead in that game before the defense went to sleep for about six minutes. What you're seeing from MSU football is absolutely remarkable. I'm actually as proud of and as excited for this 2017 team as I was of the 2010 team, which is who they remind me of more so than anything else. The 2010 team, the 2011 team that got to the Big Ten title game and got goddamn Russell Wilson away from that. They're not as good as the 2013 Rose Bowl team. They're not as good as the team from two years ago that got to the national playoff. But I said back in September when I saw them play for the first time that they're about two years away. I knew after that first game they're about two years away or so from getting back into it and possibly winning the Big Ten. Two years. Because I believed enough in D'Antonio that he could get that thing fixed. Even though he can be strident and stubborn, he can get that thing fixed. I was probably off by a year. I think I was off by a year. This year, Penn State, as disgusting as that program is, Penn State is the class of the conference. We'll see how good MSU really is, assuming, of course, they beat Northwestern on Saturday. We'll see how good MSU is when Penn State goes to East Lansing on November 4th. So you can watch J. Scott Confidential, watch yourself some JSC TV, and you'll still have plenty of time before the 3.30 kickoff at Spartan Stadium. But you'll see how good they are when Penn State comes in, having possibly either just beaten or lost to Ohio State this weekend to go to East Lansing afterwards. I look at it like this. MSU gets out of Northwestern with a win. They get in front of Penn State. They're playing with house money. They're at home. Nobody expects them to win. Nobody will give them half a chance of winning, especially not after that ass-whipping they took from them last year. It's one of those situations where it's house money, and D'Antonio, unlike the khaki-wearing fraud down in Ann Arbor, D'Antonio lives for games like that, lives for situations like that. He comes up big. His teams come up big in situations like that more often than not. To go back to the Michigan game, where it's funny what a difference three weeks make. Going into that Michigan game, people were actually out there assuming Michigan would just run MSU off the field. I had been saying since mid-September, when I had seen Michigan play three games and I would seen MSU play three games, four games, and yeah, Notre Dame was a disaster, but I'd seen them play those other games and I saw Michigan, I went from, hey... Michigan's not going to run all over them. They pretty much haven't run all over MSU in 10 years. To, hey, MSU can hang with Michigan to to affirmatively and confidently two weeks before that game was played, I said flat out, MSU is going to go to Ann Arbor and they're going to beat Michigan. I didn't say they were going to run them off the field. I said they were going to win. And that's what they did. 
They're tougher than MSU. They're better than MSU. It's all changed now. It's all back to the way it should be. MSU is little brother. We don't even have to pay attention to them because we're focused on Ohio State and all they care about is us. Let me put this let me put this as plainly as I can to you slap nuts at Michigan. You Michigan fans, where two-thirds of you didn't even go to the damn school, but you got the nerve to run your mouth about us. Let me explain something to you. For those of you who keep insisting that, oh, you smarty, you're, you're obsessed with Michigan. You're obsessed with us. Your whole year is made by dealing with us. Let me put this to you bluntly. We're not obsessed with you. We kind of pity you, actually. You're our rival. And no matter how much you try to deny it, we're yours. We're the reason that you can't get to OSU anymore because we cut you off at the pass. We're not intimidated by you. We're not obsessed with you. We're over you. We don't focus our focus at MSU is not just taking down Michigan. That that narrative went out the window a decade ago. That narrative went out the window of all we got to do is beat Michigan and our season is made. No, stop that shit. That ended a while ago. The thing now is Michigan is a very fun pit stop on the way to OSU. Because unlike you, we beat OSU. Unlike you, we, we step up when the big bad bully in Columbus steps to us. OSU is our focus. And now Penn State is our focus. If somehow MSU gets to the Big Ten Championship game, which is not as outlandish of a thought as it would have been even two weeks ago, if somehow they get to the conference title game, then Wisconsin is the problem. Our old friend in Madison is the problem. But Michigan, this ain't about you no more. We ain't worried about you no more. We ain't stressing about you no more. We're, we're, we're beyond that. We're off that. So have fun. Enjoy fighting off Rutgers and Maryland for third place in the division, where you always end up. The Spartans are going to be hanging out at the big boy table, and we'll tell we'll tell Brutus that you said hi. So you have fun, you enjoy yourself, and you take care now. My name is J. Scott Smith. Sporting the hell out of this green and white and getting ready for the debut of J. Scott Confidential, JSC TV. Remember that hashtag, telling you to take care of yourself. God bless, always dare to be different, always have your pet spade or neutered, and we are out of here. I will see y'all next week, and in 10 days, not even 10 days from now, Jay Scott Confidential premieres on RVN TV. Goodbye, everybody. Hand off to LJ Scott, runs to his right. Go. He's at the 10, he's at the The 5, heads for the right pylon. He's into the end zone. Touchdown, MSU. Thanks for coming out. God bless you. Good night. Check it out. This is JSC Radio. I heard on the news about that 5-year-old who found his uncle's gun. The kid didn't know it was loaded. I heard on the news about that 14-year-old girl who was bullied online. For like a year, she couldn't take it anymore, so she got her dad's gun from his nightstand. I heard on the news about that guy who broke into someone's house, stole a gun from the hall closet. He accidentally shot his cousin in the head. She killed herself. And later, killed the owner of the store he was trying to rob. 
If you own a gun, you have a full-time responsibility. When you aren't using it, be sure it can't get into the hands of curious children, troubled teenagers, a thief, or anyone else who might misuse it. Your family, friends, and neighbors are all counting on you. Remember, always lock it up. For more information on firearm storage safety, visit ncpc.org. This message brought to you by the National Crime Prevention Council, the Bureau of Justice Assistance, and the Ad Council.